This message is made available by the partners and friends of Breakthrough Miracle Life. Catch our live broadcast every Wednesday and Sunday on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and on internet radio at mixlr.com forward slash B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-U. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So we've been, um, we've been talking about, we've been, we began to talk about how to change your mindset. Hallelujah. And the reason we're talking about it is the Lord gave us an award. And the word for this year was enlargement. Amen. And among the things he told us we must get rid of are mindsets that hold us back from enlargement. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And so I want to continue from where we were on Wednesday. If you missed Wednesday, you need to find the message online and listen so that you continue to flow as we are. Hallelujah. Now, it's amazing. It's amazing and for us we've got to realize that for most of us, as I was emphasizing last week, you see there is two types, there is two aspects to spiritual warfare. There is uh, contending with demonic and spiritual forces. But then there is the other side of spiritual warfare which is mind warfare. The battlefield of the mind. And uh, you find that it's, it's explained clearly in scripture. It says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to pulling down strongholds. Now most people when they hear strongholds they used to think they were demons. No, strongholds are not demons. Why? Because it tells us exactly after that it begins to break them down for us. It says casting down imaginations. Hallelujah. And every high thing that exalts. Always give me the King James, you know. I'm, I'm very old style. Hallelujah. Pulling down of strongholds. Go on. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Notice something. Where are imaginations found? In your mind. Hallelujah. High things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Where is knowledge found? In your mind again. So anything that will exalt itself against the knowledge of God is going to be operating in your mind by trying to raise itself up above the knowledge of God. For example, sickness. Sickness will tell you you are sick and you've got to bring the knowledge of God that says, by his stripes I was healed. Hallelujah. Amen. It says, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. All of it is in the mind. I used to sometimes joke with people. I don't know if it's a coincidence or anything, but you know, nothing in the Bible is there by coincidence. And I find it very interesting that of all places Jesus could have been crucified, he was crucified at the place of the skull. Golgotha. And scripture goes ahead to even tell us what it means. You know, they could have just said, and then he was crucified at a hill called Golgotha. But it goes on to put, which is in the Hebrew, the place of the skull. Because the first place you need salvation is here. Hallelujah. He was crucified there because the first place you need salvation is where? Here. That's why he says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The work needed to start here in this skull of yours. 
even make sure he's crucified right there so that you you know it from the beginning that's where you that's where the work needs to begin hallelujah and so we are held back by strongholds of the mind and we talked about a couple of them but today i want to focus on two and the first one is regret hallelujah say regret so many people i know are held back by regret they spend all their time meditating on missed opportunities if only i had done this if only i had done this now you see if only i had made my choice like this they they are full of regrets and let me tell you something i don't know anyone who doesn't have regrets we all have things we can look back and say i could have done this different i could have done the other different i could have made a different decision that time i could have not said that that i said that time but the danger with regret is this you see there is one, it's one thing to acknowledge you missed something then you move on it's another thing to wallow in it and you can't move on you wallow and wallow in it i've met people who are so busy wallowing in missed opportunities from 10 years ago and they can't move on you meet someone i don't know why these days i talk a lot in that area but then yeah you meet someone sure the relationship didn't work you know what move on it didn't work sure it didn't the other person moved on some people are still stuck they're waiting for the person's marriage to fail so that they somehow come back to them and most of the time you're looking at it and here is the thing you're busy and you're regretting certain things you did certain things you said how you ignored them how you did what and you sit in regret but you see regret is a function of condemnation because you're sitting in condemnation that's why regret becomes something that holds you because you're stuck in condemnation that's why scripture has to address it and tell you there is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who live not according to the flesh but according to the spirit every time you live in condemnation you can't move on and you see some people will tell you no but you see you need to be a godless sorrow brings you to repentance yes it does but what is repentance changing your mind hallelujah repentance is not bashing yourself bonere day bonere day and then you whip yourself huh um you know the catholic thing flagellation you flagellate yourself huh no repentance is actually changing your mind and a very powerful example i find is david david messes up takes bathsheba who is uriah's wife and even gets her pregnant then he tries to cover it up unfortunately uriah is just too loyal and honorable he jumps to sleep with his wife even when they bring him back on leave so now david can't cover up and you know uh, you know make the child look like uriah's child he ends up murdering uriah in order to 
The whole thing is a cover up in order to take now Bathsheba. And God sends the prophet God. Was it the prophet God? Yes. To pass judgment. And when he does, the prophet God says two interesting things. One, he says the child shall die. The second thing he says is there will arise someone out of David's house who will rebel against him. Now, and the child gets sick. And David is on his face, weeping, fasting, crying before God. He has acknowledged his wrong. No question about it. Because the moment they told him, after they told him, you are the one. First tell him a parable and the guy gets righteously angry. Then they tell him, you are the one. I loved that prophet. Sharp guy. By the way, some of you who are prophets, you need to learn from the prophet God. For this reason, God may send you to a king. And you need wisdom in order to tell him in a way that won't cause him to cut your head off. It was wisdom that the prophet applied. He comes and tells a parable. Then he gets the king righteously angry. Where is that man? And says, but you are the one. And now the king, after he has just gotten all righteously angry and agreed that the other guy is wrong, can't start, can't start turning against the prophet. That's wisdom. Now, he is fasting and praying because he has already admitted his wrong. Just, you just need to read Psalm 51 and that's where you find David admitting his wrong. That's where you find this, this nice song we like to sing, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away. That was the time when he's in. He's crying for forgiveness and saying, Lord, I am sorry. I'm, I confess my sin. Forgive me. Then he begins to cry for the child. He's calling to God. And I mean, honestly, um, in our today understanding, you know, our so-called today understanding, we would think, he but God, but the child didn't sin. You know, one of the things we must never, the one trap we must never fall into is assuming that we can determine what is good and what is not good and then attribute it to God. No, God determines what's good. Because God is good, everything he does is good automatically. Ah, hallelujah. Because God is good, everything he does is good. Even when we don't understand it. That's God is the standard of goodness. We cannot say this is the standard of goodness and apply it to God in order to expect God to act a certain way. No, when God acts, we say whatever he has done is good. Because God is good. Now, so here we are and David is crying and, you know, weeping before God. He's not eating. And then the child dies. When the child dies, his servants and courtiers and everything, they are afraid to tell him that the child has died. And the scriptures record that they are saying to themselves, if he has been like this when the child is still alive, what will he do when we tell him the child has died? And so they are whispering among themselves, unable, none of them is willing to go to the king to tell him the child has died. They are afraid of how he will react. 
And we see something there that's very interesting. David notices that they are whispering among themselves. So he asks them directly. Says, has the child died? And they tell him, yes, the child has died. And you know what it does? Now, notice something. In all the days when the child was sick, David had not been showering. He had not bathed. He had not eaten. He had Basically, he had really done everything you can do to show your sorrow before God. The moment they tell him the child has died, he gets up, takes a bath, oils his hair, basically styles himself up and goes to worship God. What does that show you? He has moved on. He basically is saying, okay. And, and they asked him, they actually said, but when the child was sick, you were like this. But now the child has died. And he said, well, I had hoped God may have mercy on me. But, said, now that the child is dead, I've got to do what? Move on. He moves on. He doesn't stay stuck in that state. He doesn't sit there and bash himself and say, now why did I mess up with Bathsheba? Now my child is dead. If I had not messed up with Bathsheba and you know, condemn himself. No, he realizes, you know what? What happened, happened. Since it happened, now I've got to get up. I can no longer do anything about it. He's basically acknowledging, he's basically what he's telling them is this, as long as I could do something about it, I could remain on my face. The moment the child died, I can no longer do anything about it. The only option I have is to do what? Move on. Hallelujah. But let me tell you, there was a time when David failed that same test of regret. Absalom rebels. David flees. Later there is a battle. Uh, Joab ends up killing Absalom. Um, there's, there's a lot that happens in between there, but eventually David knows that Absalom is dead. And the Bible says David wept. My son Absalom, my son Absalom, he wept so much that even his men who just come back from a victory slinked into the city like the ones who have lost a battle. Because everyone knew the king was weeping for his son. And, you know, before I had understood the history, I used to wonder to myself, but the son, who'd rebelled against you and slept with all of your women in public in front of the whole nation and basically made it, how? Why are you weeping for him like this? Until I went back and I realized that David knew that Absalom's rebellion was his fault. He knew that first of all, it was a fulfillment of what the prophet had said. After he stole Bathsheba, number one. But two, he also knew it was a result of his own inaction when Amnon raped Tamar. Because when Amnon raped Tamar and David did nothing, Amnon's bitterness grew and grew and grew. And he, in his heart, he derived this mindset that Amnon, that my father is unjust. He does not do what is right. Hallelujah. 
He will not do what is right. So, he decides to take justice into his own hands and later convinces himself, I will be a more just ruler than my father. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Don't worry, the Bible says, let the little children come to me. Hallelujah. He will be, so David has convinced himself that he will be a more just ruler than his father. So David knew that Absalom's rebellion and everything that has happened is his fault. That's why David is weeping. But then he gets so caught up in his grief and regrets for whatever he did that caused that to happen. He's so caught up in it and weeping so much that his entire army has lost its morale. Can you imagine? The entire army has done what? So much that Joab has to come and rebuke David. And tells him, if you don't style up, by morning you will have nobody left. Because these guys had just fought a battle for David. And they had won. And now instead they felt like they were ashamed. Because David is weeping more over his dead son than them who'd won for him a great victory. They had put their lives on the line for David. And David is weeping more over the the dead ones who were rebelling than the ones who had done it for him. Yet they knew, had Absalom won, David wouldn't have survived. He would have had no mercy on his father. None. So here they are. And so Joab has to rebuke David. Some of us, we need some people to come and rebuke us. Out of sitting there and wallowing in regrets. You can see, my man who did this, and it led to this, and this. And you can't move on, because you're so busy wallowing in your guilt. It's my fault, it's my fault. Guess what? Move on. David had to come out of there, style up, wash up again, oil himself, come and speak encouraging words to his men, and praise them for the victory they've won. Regret holds back a lot of people. Keeps them from advancing. Because they are so busy looking at what never went right. There are many areas where you can look at your life and find you spend too much time regretting instead of moving on. I almost got caught in a cycle of regret. You know, I spent a very big chunk of my level in the computer room. So, of course, when the results came back, they reflected the time I spent in the computer room. (laughs) So, there I was. I remember uh, where I used to work. Actually, I used to work with Dr. Arimo. Okay, but by then he hadn't joined us yet since that was my year six back. But, so there I was. It was uh, next to... What is now Watoto? It was KPC in my days. And um, so I used to cross over and just pray at lunchtime at gun pace in there in, and just pray. So I walk in and I am gloomy. My whole face is downcast. I am, I mean, I had seen the results and yeah, they did not look good. Hmm? 
So my face is downcast. I am looking like I just lost half my relatives or something. Even after praying, I still came out looking as downcast as I as when I had entered the prayer room. And I ran into this guy. And he looked at me. He'd been in school about what four years ahead of me. So I just happened to run into him. He's, he was coming out of Power FM and I ran into him. And he looks at me and he says, why do you look so downcast? And I told him, results are back. And you know what he told me? He asked me, what did you get? I looked at him like, Kun, you can see I'm looking downcast. And you're even daring to ask me what I got. And he insists. And he insisted with so much authority, I found myself answering. So I tell him my results. They were not amusing. You know, I had an O in physics. Sharper, karate. My God. <laughs> so I tell him my results. Then he looks at me and says, Hey, you got two principal passes. You can still enter university. I looked at him like, now look at this one. Then he tells me, no. He says, me, I failed to get two principal passes. <laughs> he persisted me, I failed to get two principal passes. He says, I was downcast, I felt like I failed everything. He says, but you know what? He pulls out his business card and showed me at the time he was marketing manager for some big, I think it was Unilever or something like that. And, and he says, you know what? I couldn't get into campus, but I began to do marketing, I began to do what? He said, you know what? Here is the thing. All the guys who went into campus, I am their boss now. It's me they are coming to looking for jobs. For you, you even have two principal passes. He said, by the way, what are you doing now? I told him, actually, I work for an IT company over there. I said, you already even have a job. He said, man, look, your friends, by the time they graduate, you're going to have four years of working experience. Eh? Suddenly, my outlook changed. My outlook completely changed. Because now, I even said, saying, hey, wait a minute. If I hadn't spent these two years of interview in the computer room, I wouldn't even have a job. Of course, part of it had been that um, when the results came out, I was the headmaster's speech at assembly the next week. He wasted time and time wasted him. <laughs> I was the speech of the headmaster, you know. <laughs> Everyone told me about how I had been the primary example for the headmaster to use for the whole school. Of what it looks like to waste time. And time wastes you properly. Hey! And people tell you the story with much glee. Suddenly my outlook changed. But I remember how he spoke to me. He rebuked me. He had no kindness. He had none of these things of Ibambi story. There was none of that. The guy kept he, he basically kept telling me, What's wrong with you? Can't you see what God has done? Can't you see how he has been good to you? And this is what regret does to you. Because I had now gotten so caught up 
in regret over I should have spent more time in reading. Now if I had put in the time, now I was there, now and I was unable to even see what God is doing. David was so caught up in the death of Absalom, he couldn't even see the victory he had won. Because when the young men came to tell him, they telling they came with joy running to tell him about the great victory. And after telling him, we've won a great victory. The only thing he was asking, Absalom, Absalom, Absalom. Ha. Until the, uh, uh, the second one guy said, may it happen to all your enemies like it happened to Absalom. That young man was also insensitive. And the ones who thought they were bearing great news to the king were shocked when he just breaks out into loud sobs. Regret can paralyze you. I thank God I ran into that guy because I would have sat and bashed myself for so long I probably would have even been a poor employee in that period because I'm too busy bashing myself over what I didn't do right. Hallelujah. But God, the first of the thing we need to know, He makes everything new. So yes, you messed up. It's probably your fault. Most likely, a hundred percent. You messed up. You made the wrong choice. You made the wrong decision. But He's saying, get up and start again. Get up. Oil yourself, take a shower, go and worship him and start again. Don't be paralyzed by regret. I know someone whose marriage has failed to work now because he's still hung up on the high school girlfriend. Sometimes I'll talk to him and I just want to slap him. I I, I am itching, I'm thinking, Lord, allow me to give him a holy slap. (laughs) Because he's, you know, I'm like, brother, you left high school a long time ago. You have another person you're married to now. You even have children. And you are still hung up on the other one that didn't work in high school. I know another one. By the way, in these ones, eh? I, I, I have many examples. Another one, married. Huh? And unable to make their marriage work. Because they are thinking, they still have this thing of, maybe I chose wrong. Now the other one was a guy, this one is a girl. Every time things are not working well in her marriage, she, she begins to think of all the options she had then and, and, and wondering, you know, maybe I chose wrong. Maybe if I had gone with the, the other one instead of the one I am with now. Regret can keep you from putting a hundred percent in your current thing because you're too busy focused on the past. You know what? You lost time. That's okay. Hallelujah. Because our God is the God of times and seasons. 
He says he will restore unto you the years that the canker worm and the locust have eaten. The canker worm and the locust may have eaten some time of yours. You messed up, you lost time. That's okay. Your God controls the times and the seasons. He can accelerate you and cause you to make up that lost time. But first, you've got to change your mind and put the, the past behind you. No wonder the scripture says, forgetting what is behind me. I press on towards the goal of the high call in Christ Jesus. I put the past behind me. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. fact let me tell you life as a believer is sweetest when you learn to dwell in the present and the future and not the past hallelujah that's why ladies let me advise you if you've decided he's the one and you love him you don't need to know who else he dated before you you are the one who is there now Because the only thing that will do to you is make you lose your peace whenever you see the other one. Because it will happen. You go to a function and she happens to be there. And then now you lose all your peace. Because the moment she even turns an eye to him. You are thinking. Guys, same story. You know, I know, um, I spoke to a guy who had real performance anxiety. Because he could, he knew of who else had been there before him. And he's wondering whether he, he, he meets the standard the other one set. The past is dangerous. The past is Dangerous. Leave it there where it belongs in the past. The only use for the past is pick the lessons you are supposed to pick right there and then and move on. Don't dwell in it. Leave that for God. God dwells in the past, present, and future simultaneously. You are not God. Hallelujah. Regret is deadly. I know too many people who are held back by regret. I'm speaking to a young man who was saying, you know, I wish, you know, if four years ago I had started on my degree, now I would be graduating. I said, no problem. You didn't do it then. Start now. But he's still so caught up in Kakati I'm like, if you start now, four years from now, You'll be celebrating. I told him four years passed so fast. You'll be shocked at how quickly the years passed. Don't sit there and tell yourself stories. Just start moving. Sure, I missed that one. I made a mess. Time to move on. There are things I wish I knew ten years ago. I would have made different decisions then. But you know what? I can't go back ten years. The only thing I can do now is make different decisions now. Not sit wallowing and thinking, ha, ah, now if I had made this decision the other time, then what? I didn't. 
The only thing I can do is trust God to make my future better. Regret is deadly. In fact, you'll be shocked at how many marriages I know are struggling simply because of regrets. People who can't let go of the past. I know I'm using marriage a lot, but this applies in every area of life. You're stuck thinking about what could have been, what could have been done. You know, if they had treated me like this, if me they had done this like this. Man, they didn't. They didn't grow up and move on. Kaprozoko paradesika. Hallelujah. Amen. Number two. Defeat. Say it with me. Defeat. Again, defeat. That's another one that holds people back. Joshua has crossed over after defeating Jericho. And now they are going after a city named Ai. And, and they look at it, it's like a small city. And now they're like, we do this one, we don't even need all of our men. They get 12,000, I think, and send them against Ai, and they are thoroughly defeated. And Joshua is on his face, weeping before God. For the great defeat they have just suffered. And God has no kind words for Joshua. Who are you there in your your face? Get up! They sin in the camp. Doesn't even commiserate with him over the lost lives. He just tells him, get up! Some of us will spend so much time wailing over our defeat instead of actually getting up and asking ourselves, why was I defeated? Joshua, instead of gathering to spend time and say, okay, we were defeated, what went wrong? He was on his face, wailing in grief, as if that will change the defeat. It won't. Crying over the defeat won't change the fact that you were defeated. But sitting and analyzing what happened will make the difference. Because now God tells him there is sin in the camp and Joshua says, okay, gather everyone. Let's cast lots. Until they found out, okay, until they got all the way to Archer. Like, hey, you are the one. Stoned him and his entire family. These guys were not jokers. In fact, they stoned him so much there was a huge mound of stones. And after that, he didn't stop at that. He didn't say, now let's go back. He also analyzed and said, you know, we're arrogant. Last time we sent just a few. This time he gathered the whole host. Then they even came up with a strategy. They didn't just go head on. They said, we will lay an ambush. So, he gets, he looks at the defeat and then he figures out what went wrong. Let me tell you something. God can send you and you still get defeated. Eh, look at people like, it's very possible. Just go to Judges 19 and 20 and you'll see them. Twice, God says go. Twice they are defeated. 
until they finally figure out we are missing something, we need to analyze what aren't we doing right. Then they fasted, then they gave offerings, then they came up with a strategy, and finally they won. They had been sent by God, yet they were defeated. You can be sent by God and still be defeated because you missed the details. Because you see, I think about it this way. The first time God told them go, and they got defeated. And you know the only thing they did? Wallow in their defeat. It says, they wept before God from morning until evening. That's what the Bible says. They wept before God from morning until evening. Then they gathered themselves and went back and did the same thing as yesterday. And got thoroughly defeated again. Defeat is there for you to learn from it. You've got to be able to dispassionately analyze and say, what did I miss? Here is the one thing we know. The problem is never with God. So if the problem is never with God, you always have got to ask yourself, what did I miss? Because if you know God spoke, but things didn't work, then you missed something. The problem is, most of us want to double down because we are unwilling to admit that maybe we missed something. You know, in the early days, you know, you'd hear from God, then you'd go prophesy to people, and then sometimes things didn't work the way you were expecting. You didn't go back, eh? and you're like, Mukama wanto meza. You ask yourself some questions. You're like, did I miss him? If I didn't miss him, did I add something of my own to what I had? Did I perhaps put some filters? And hear what God is saying, but interpret it the way I want. One time God just saved me from missing it narrowly. There was this guy, we were at campus. And um, I need to keep, I need to stop saying campus because international people have no clue when I say we were at campus. Anyway, I was at the university. And there was this one guy, he used to come for the prayer meeting religiously. I mean, when I say religiously, it's in a good way, not a bad way. He was always there, never missing. And, um, I knew you could pick up that he was interested in a certain girl who used to also be in the prayer meeting. It was easy to tell. One time as I am reading and I am praying, you know, we would pray, 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 then the one who is leading at some point you're going around laying hands on people, giving them whatever word God has given you. When I'm getting to him, the, I had clearly, very clearly, tell him what he has been praying for. I have given it to him. Now, Noah Sematimba in my head. <laughs> I almost told him. <laughs> you know? <laughs> because, but the Lord was going to say, tell him 
what he has been asking me for I have given to him but meanwhile me in my mind because I know the, the guy's interest hmm? I am thinking ah others about to open my mouth the Lord say don't say anything except what I have said don't add to it don't subtract so I kept quiet and then I told him the Lord just tells me to tell you I said he hasn't said exactly what but he has told me to tell you what you have been praying for he has given it to you it is finished tonight and then you know continued three days later he comes and he says thank you for that word you see um, I applied to a university in the US and uh, I had gotten admission and the next morning when you gave me the word I was going to the embassy for my visa says, <laughs> and I went there and everything was so smooth they didn't ask me any questions they gave me my visa thank you for the word in my mind I'm thinking ha my filters almost made me misfire and let me tell you something very interesting most of us have filters when we are hearing God then later we start questioning whether God really spoke or we start complaining to God that he spoke and didn't fulfill but the problem was the filters we applied when God spoke because we have certain things we, when we, were, we used to call it word with knowledge <laughs> you know, so you know, word of knowledge. But sometimes it would be word with knowledge. You hear one small thing, then you add what you know, and then you prophesy. Most of us, when we are hearing God, we have filters. Because I have been thinking about this, praying about this. When I hear this, I just add, and then I put it together. Then you miss God. And it is important to be able to go back and say, where did I miss you, Lord? That's the function of defeat. It helps you analyze. Like, hey, what did I miss? What did I get wrong? Not to wallow in it. Not to cause defeat to make you fear. I've been in meetings and the Lord tells you call out there's someone with this and you call out the condition and nobody comes then I have to go back now here is the thing there's two ways to react and this is where you get most problems you get people who after that are like sibidam and so defeat paralyzes them yet what's supposed to happen is you go back and you say okay Lord where did I get it wrong what happened what did I miss the first time TL and Daisy went on a mission on missions they spent what three years in India and not a single person got saved 
Do you know preaching and preaching and preaching and no one gets saved? And you pull out your Bible and they pull out the Bhagavad Gita and they, and you all argue. And after you're done, no one has gotten saved. They came back defeated. But the difference is, they remained convinced that the gospel works. So they knew it must be their approach that has a problem. They knew there must be something we are missing. So they began to go to other meetings, trying to figure out what is it that we don't have. Until one day, Daisy went to a William Branham meeting. And she's so power. She's so prophecy, miracles and what. And she went back to her husband and said, I have found what was missing. And her husband also went. And he saw what was happening and he said, Ha! Lord, whatever it is upon his life, I also want it. And locked himself in the closet until Jesus appeared to him. The idea being, look, analyze, figure out what's going on. Defeat should not paralyze you. Defeat, in fact, should galvanize you. You get up and you say, okay, what did I miss? Where, what, how can I make it right? Not to just say, I've given up. That one didn't work. I tried it. It failed. Especially when you know that there are others for whom it has worked. That alone should be a, a test for you. Because when the first time I called out people, and I said, but wait, the other people who called them out and it's accurate. They are men like me. So they know something I don't know. I need to find out what they know. Whatever they are doing right that I am not, I need to figure it out. So you must be able to put aside, and you see, usually what holds us back when it comes to defeat, like for that example, you called out someone, they didn't come out. The only thing that's holding you back, that's causing you not to try again, is you're afraid of embarrassment. Like, ah, Naswala, Ruli, sit down. So, what's really holding you back is the opinions of people. Nothing else. So, the first thing that I had to learn early on in ministry was that scripture that says, Reckon yourself dead. Reckon yourself dead. And interestingly enough, you know, you, you, you'll be amazed. You will learn things. If you're spiritually sensitive, you will learn things from the strangest venues. I learned that thing at a Kwanjura. I went to a Kwanjura and the Mogezi exchanging things. Then the Mogezi says, Omufuta Swara. And everyone starts laughing. And for me, it was like a light bulb moment. Because they said, Omufuta Swala, and immediately the Spirit brought to my, to my understanding, brought that scripture, reckon yourselves dead. And I said, Ha! Omufuta Swala, I am dead. Siswala. Hey! And I mean, the Mokese said many jokes. I was laughing in the midst of all the joking. The guy kept, Omufuta Swala, what? All sorts of things. 
Then he just made that statement. And it was like a light bulb turned on. I said, eh. No wonder the Bible tells me to reckon myself dead. Said, ha! From today onwards, Teriko Swara. Me, I will go up and I will do what the Lord told me to do. The rest is his business. Because before I used to get paralyzed, you'd want to minister and you can feel strongly there's a blind person, but there's this thing. What if you call them out and they don't see? And it's holding you back. Ah, in front of all these people, and you call them out, they don't see. Because you see, I'd seen some incidents when we were in secondary school with some of our overzealous brothers. <laughs> Dr. Rimo knows them. He would come in those days, they had so much fire, then they would say, hey, bring that hand that is broken, and then they pray and nothing happens, and the whole school the next day is talking about it. So I had developed a phobia for being embarrassed. Then I sank in. Omfu, I am dead. The opinions of people mean nothing. I'm going to do what the Lord tells me to do. Now, I'll call you out, and I will speak what the Lord has said, and I will lay hands, and I'll pray for you. Man, <laughs> I, I, I have this thing. If you don't get healed, since I have in the first place, I didn't come claiming I am the healer. In fact, usually now, that's where, that's why people get stuck in cycles. Hmm? Because if you advertise yourself as the great infallible prophet, <laughs> then you are in trouble the day you make it and it's not coming to pass. You have to find all ways to twist it and turn it to make it look like it came to pass. But if you keep lifting Jesus up, it's not your problem. You are dead. Like for me, I did my part. This is what was Jonah's problem. Jonah's like, ah, you God, I know you. I will go and prophesy to them, then you forgive them. Then I'll be the one who is embarrassed. So he decides to go to Tarsus. Well, Tarsus was a dangerous place. Saul from Tarsus. Jonah goes to Tarsus. <laughs> Why? He, the fear of prophesying and it doesn't come to pass caused Jonah to disobey God. It was the fear of apparent defeat. And sure enough, the guy prophesied and then God decided to forgive them. Even after he had told God, you know, even after he had told God properly that you know what? Here I am. You, I know you, you're going to do this. And then he goes in the belly of a fish and God still tells him to prophesy. Now he has gone with confidence thinking, Kare, Kuruno, after all I've gone through, surely God will not eh, embarrass me. And sure enough, God forgave them. Poor man sat there and waited for the judgment, the promised judgment. Nothing happened except God teaching him a lesson. Can you 
you will overcome defeat the day you reckon yourself dead. Because dead men do not get embarrassed. Hallelujah. If he tells you to go and do a crusade and you stand there and only one person came to the crusade, you preach as if the stadium is full. Hallelujah. <laughs> the first time God sent me to Mbari to do a crusade, say so I had the stadium. And I can tell you, there were 15 people in the entire stadium. And I preached to those 15 people like the stadium was full. Moreover, we were live on radio. And I prayed for those people. Like I was praying for a full stadium for miracles. Even the miracles were those ones. Now you see I came with my cuff finger. It was a little what? I celebrated those things like they had come out of a wheelchair. When I came back the next time, yeah, the numbers were something else. Don't let defeat keep you from fulfilling your mission and your destiny. You tried a business and it backfired. That's okay. Go start another one. The only thing you need to do is ask yourself, what did I miss last time? And you know what? Even after you've corrected what you missed last time, you might miss some other things this time. And it might still fail again. Get yourself up, learn whatever lessons from this time, and start again. Hallelujah. Amen. You keep at it. You don't quit. You don't give up. You keep going. Because we've got to understand one thing. God is more about the process than the end result. The process through which you're learning, God is more interested in it. Because he is more interested in how you are formed. For you, for example, you want a car. And your whole focus is on the car and getting the car. God is more interested in how your faith grows in the process of getting the car. Hallelujah. He's more interested in formation, in how your character will grow, in how your fruit of the Spirit will grow in the process of believing for the car. So for you, you're getting anxious because you've, you know, and for him, he's thinking, no, I need to teach you how to persevere. I need to teach you self-control. I need to teach you long-suffering. I need to teach you faith. In the process, he's more interested in how you're getting formed. Don't you find it interesting that when he's talking about character, I believe that's in Romans 5. What does he say? He talks about trials. And tribulations, bringing perseverance, which builds what? Character and then hope. He's interested in the process of making you. So when you quit, you short circuit the process. One of the most common things, I know these guys have had it. Most people you meet tell you, you know, we meet those ones, you know. Many of them. 
Then if you probe them carefully, they started once, practiced once, and things didn't work. They think somehow these people arrived at that level, just like that. It didn't happen like that. I remember there was a guy I hosted for a while. He used to stay here. Very amazing guitar player. That guy could play a single lick over and over again for hours every day until he got it perfect. Even us who are these ends would get to a point and you're like, Vananga can't work on Koyo Kaulida. Later, when people are praising him, first we are thinking, ha, if you knew how long he spent on it. Yeah. Things go wrong. They do. They do. In fact, the tragedy of many young marriages these days is we don't have people who are willing to stick and fight. When the going gets tough, they get quitting. They start, this is not what I signed up for. Hello? Sure, it's not what you signed up for. Walk through it. Walk through it. I remember one time, you know, my wife is one of those people, she is not a quitter. One time we fought badly. Then at some point she said, Nkubuli lechimu. Newe tunayomba kutuka wasiri na jendaga. Do you know, I burst out and started laughing. Yama danyeze na rua neta niko kuseka. He said, I am here to stay, I'm going nowhere. Like, mposi guono ogenda na yeze. Ndi mubuno simufam. I like, there's that song of Judith Mavidias I like. Hmm? Where she sings, Tejina wini kona na na na. There's a part where she sings, Echibuga nganye sishifuruma. I'm like, yeah, katigochi tegiera. Sishifuruma. Nchari wawano. I'm going nowhere. I remember, you know, my wife used to be part of a choir called Jiwe, with, you know, with Becky and a couple of other people here. And she used to tell me stories. She'd come back and say, Lero nanyiziza papa nangoba mkwaya, nemuga sikwe wande tasina jengenda. And I used to marvel, I like, oh, this girl is stubborn. Vamo kwaya gegenda toko mao Sirila jegenda kwa wandeta Child of God Do not allow mindsets of defeat To cause you To miss What God has for you Those two things today, regret and defeat, 
are deadly. Deal with them. Deal with them. Make up your mind today. I can't let any past stuff stand in my way. The past is the past. I am moving forward. And it doesn't matter if there are people who come and they want to bring the past back. Because we have those people. They can't let go of who you were. They can't. They want to keep it in your face. Ignore them. They want to keep reminding you. No People tried it with Jesus. Isn't this the son of Joseph? The carpenter. People will want to keep you in the carpentry. People want to keep you where? In the carpentry. But God has called you to the mission field. So there will be people who want to keep raising your past. My friend. You tell them that's the old man. He died and was buried. And he did not rise again after the third day. (laughs) Hmm? That's the old man. Let him stay dead. Ladies, I know I, I, I have to tell this to ladies. Ladies, stop digging in the past. You only find rotten things there. Don't dig. Because you're going to dig into the past. Huh? And then you start seeing the past in the present. Because now, instead of a spirit of discernment, you'll be walking in the spirit of suspicion. You start reading into every little thing here and there. Because you are digging in the past where you should not have been digging. (laughs) Get out of there. Who are you to go digging in the past when God says, "Eh, I have forgotten. If the one who is most righteous has forgotten, how about you? Hallelujah. Let me tell you, things are bad. I remember. And you know, human beings. Eh, there was this one girl, beautiful girl, we were in school with. And uh, when we were younger, she had a bladder problem. So one time, Munange, things, the teacher, she asked for permission, and the teacher jammed. You know how primary school teachers were. So when be the bladder let loose? Hmm? Twenty years later, I am asking about her, and this guy is like, you mean the one who... I'm like, that's seriously...
But then, choose to be. Choose to be like God. Hallelujah. If he who is most righteous and most holy can choose to say, their sins I will remember no more. Choose to be like him too. Let every day be a new day. Yesterday, last week, you quarreled about this. You don't come again. last week. No. If you are last week, we are here. Tulikuchiarero. Otuemereyafe. Eyarero. Bietuliko. Hallelujah. I hadn't been planning to bring the past into, until the next one, but I think we needed to go there. Hallelujah. It just ties in nicely. See, because defeat and the memory of it paralyzes people. So your past can be a real problem for you. Because every time you keep seeing yourself through the lenses of your past instead of the lenses of your future. But God wants you to look through the lenses of the future. That's why he says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. And to give you a future and a good ending. He's telling you, look, let your eyes, let your eyes look through the eyes of God. Hallelujah. Even when you're looking at people here, the day you start looking at people through the eyes of God, the way you relate with people will change. Because you start seeing them as God sees them. Hallelujah. You stop seeing the one who messed up. The one who they told you a story of. You stop seeing all those things. And you see them as God sees them. And you know, the devil thrives in the past. That's why he's called the accuser of the brethren. Let me tell you some of you. I don't know. I don't know if it has happened to some of you, but it should have. At least if you've ever dated. Start dating someone and people will come to you to tell you about their past. Quickly. They'll come and tell you, oh you're no negundi. And sometimes it's even baseless. They just saw them one time walking together. And even if it was true. It was in the past. If you, with whatever else you did, you're seeing yourself as new, why aren't you seeing other people as new? Why aren't you applying the same standard? Leave the past where it belongs, in the past. These are mindsets that keep us defeated. There are some of you, you convinced yourself that you can never pass math. It mistreated you. You failed to figure out those quadratic equations. So you convinced yourself. I have seen people overcome what was a handicap before. Because they didn't, they didn't keep dwelling in how it mistreated them then. Do you know I have seen people who failed school here go and be at the top of their class in other nations. 
What happened? They don't keep dwelling on the fact that they failed here. They accept that, you know what, I'm in a new environment with new teachers, with new ways of teaching this thing. I have a fresh chance to try it again. So they are not paralyzed by the memory of what happened before. I think I told that on Wednesday. Young man I knew here. School had jammed. You know when a guy tells you for me I just gave up. I go to the exam room and I go blank. Today, he's doing his PhD. All he did was change location. When he moved to the US, things became different. Teaching methods and what. And this is what we are talking about. Analyze what's not working. Maybe it's the teaching methods that don't work for you. Maybe you need to try somewhere else. Some other teacher, some other school. Go and try somewhere else. Don't, don't put on yourself a label. The one who can't calculate. Karate so Hallelujah. Remove the labels. Others, you know, I remember many years ago, my mother used to work for, for some medical organization. And they had a country director. He'd been a medical doctor for some years. Of course, by the time they make you a country director of that kind of organization, you've been at this thing for a while. You don't, you're not a fresh graduate. They're like in their fifties or something. Then, one time I remember her telling me, oh yeah, our country director resigned. I said, oh really? Yeah. I said, yeah. He's decided he's going back to school to do engineering. I'm like, huh? Like, at what age? In their 50s, they just felt like, you know what? We've done this long enough. We want to do something new. And they went back to school and became engineers. You, you're not yet even 40. Some of you are not even 30. And you've already given up. You've quit. Sharp Akarade. We have, I have a member in Houston. Her kids are older than me. And she was still doing exams. And I remember there was one particular exam. She did it like three times. Give up. Final time she comes to me. She calls me when she's going to the exam. And she's like, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And I remember she said, when I'm doing the practice exams, they're just beating me. I said, ah, don't worry. This time, you get the reverse of what you got in the practice exam. So it was 58, you're getting 85. Sharper, car a day. And she went and did the exam. That's exactly what happened. But you'd be asking yourself, Nayegwe, Ufachi. And you're here quitting. 30 something, 20 something. No! How can you? In fact, it's a lack of faith. Because you can't go around declaring, with long life, he will satisfy me. Then act as if you already halfway your life. You can't. You can't be saying he'll satisfy you with long life. And at 30, you're already acting like you're too old. What kind of long life is that? Because if you're saying with long life you satisfy you, you better be thinking in terms of 120. 
such that at 30 you've only gone quarter away. Live like you believe the word. Hallelujah. Amen. You don't go quitting. That stuff jumped for me. No, it didn't jump for you. Hallelujah. Who told you? Hallelujah. Who told you? There's an exam my wife did three times. But you see, here is one thing I admired. First time she did it and failed it, she sat down and said, What did I get wrong? And she realized the problem was she started on the essay questions and they took so much of her time. By the time she got to the multiple choice ones, the time was out. Said, Next time I'm changing my strategy, I'll start with these multiple choice questions so that I, I end with the other ones. Said, Okay, then she went back and did it. And again, you know, she was just below the pass mark. She said, Okay. Now, I have already read the material this time. I have read it again this time. Now, this third time, let me change my strategy. I can't read it again. It makes no sense. It is in here. Now I'm only going to do practice exams for the entire time. And she changed her strategy. And the third time, she passed it. She didn't quit. Through each of those, she was learning valuable lessons. To apply for the next one. You don't quit. And you don't summarize yourself. Some of you are very good at summarizing yourselves very quickly. You attach a label to yourself quickly. You summarize. You put a label, okay, the and put on the shelf. No. Hallelujah. I know there are some of you. My friend, get up and continue. You don't say your name Uh uh. You get up and do what? Continue. Hallelujah. Get up and continue. God has told us it's a year of enlargement. In fact, He told us the word is for the decade. Because it's the same word He gave us last year. It's for the decade. We're going to be expanding, we're going to be enlarging on every side. It's the same word. Hallelujah. None. Enlargement. Is a process. It's not a one-time event. And because it's not a one-time event, you must get ready for setbacks along the way. You don't quit. You keep at it. Hallelujah. Sometimes, you know, Things happen here. Sometimes young people handle equipment badly, then things break and everything. You don't write them off and say, I would never have a no You sit and teach and train and buy new equipment. Yeah. 
shaba karates. You see, especially when you're dealing with people, it's not the same thing. You know, they're saying mukama jakulete chipia. That's all good when it is a phone. It's a different story when it's your child. You won't be there comforting yourself njakuzara yabalala. You're going to stay on it. You're going to keep praying. <laughs> Hallelujah. You're going to keep believing that God turns them around. You won't quit. So if you can do that, you can also do it for yourself. Don't quit on yourself. Don't write yourself off. Shapa karadebo super. Some of you, you wrote, there are some things, eh? Like, ah, ah, Child of God. Yeah? English programs. Hallelujah. Yes. Immerse yourself in English. Eh? The problem is you decide Tevikora. So now all you watch is book a day. Then you wonder why it's not improving. Of course it won't improve. All the more that you should immerse yourself in more English and more English and more English until it just sinks in. Hallelujah. I know some other people who struggled with English. And the problem is they've now become paralyzed. Because they're afraid. Because when they speak people start laughing. They stop trying to speak. And then they never realize that you need to keep speaking until it gets better. Some of you, you hear Musumba Kayanja today. You should have heard him in the 80s. When some of us were in the church. I wish I could find that old footage. He kept speaking it. Well, he had no choice. He was always going to America. Surrounded by Wazungu speaking English. To hear him speak today with that accent and and vocabulary and everything, you're like, Man! There was a time when we used to think, this guy will never get tenses. He kept reading. You know, I'm telling you, I can admit to this because those days he would be preaching, then he says something and you're sitting at the front, you even burst into laughter. And sometimes he'd look at me and he also smiles because he knows I can't be He didn't, he wouldn't stop and say, I'm Uganda. Hallelujah. Today. Hallelujah. So what have you quit on? Because you got some defeats. Huh? You got some defeats and you just concluded. You know, No, you can handle. You can handle. You can do it. You don't quit. You analyze where it's going wrong and you find some way. I remember one of the things that blew my mind. You see, in the early days, I used to play keyboard in Miracle Center in 1993. I was in P7. 
hardest person to play keyboard for those days was Pastor Robert Kayanja. Atandikira mukieno nazitabala zonna muluimba rumu. Yeah? Do you know what he did? He told me many years later. He was in the US for an extended stretch of time. He got himself a voice coach. He didn't just say why byo kuyimba. Sibisobola kambulire njiri kastani nebya magero. Sambasa sawa consolation kasta. No. He got himself a voice coach. And now most of you, you all know the songs on his album. You've been faithful to me. Hallelujah, God. My friend in the old days, right? You've been faithful to me. <laughs> Hallelujah. But remember, if you watch that, there is a, an actual element of taking time and effort to find out what am I missing? How do I get it right? How do I improve? You also don't sit and just keep at the same thing. No, you you are you're like, okay, why is this thing defeating me? What can I do different? What can I change? Hallelujah. Amen. When I'm preaching to you, I'm also preaching to myself. There are things I also need to get back to. Hallelujah. That's a good thing about the word. It cuts those ends and these ends, double-edged. Amen. My wife was the first person to deal with me on some of these things. She used to be like, ah, you're so too much of a quitter. Because sometimes they would be ansumbu and get you ah, Then for her, she would tell me, ha, that's why God had to send me here before you because you would have packed your bags and left. Because I'd have this thing here, but well, she's like, ah, 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 ah. God brought me here. I'm not leaving until he says it's time to go. And I had to learn from her how not to be a quitter, how to stick on it, how to stand firm, how to keep fighting and never let go. Bulldog faith. When a bulldog bites, eh? it it bites and yeah, it won't let go. Hmm? Bulldog what? Hallelujah! Tell your neighbor you need some bulldog faith. <laughs> Tell them again you need some bulldog faith. I know so many people the things they are doing today are things they simply settled for. They just settled for them. They tried some other things, they seemed not to work, and they just settled. What are you settling for? Tell him what you know Hallelujah. Amen. Yes, 
Tulinokutabuda tukujemu comfort zone hiyo. Hallelujah. We are in the business of dragging people out of comfort zones in breakthrough. That's why it's called that's why we our motto is what? Raising champions. The champions eh, have to be you have to shake them out of apathy, eh? And cause them eh, to go in unfamiliar places and to be stretched. That's why the Bible says that's why the word God has given us for the next decade is what? Enlarge the place of your habitation. Stretch. That is just stretch yourself. Lengthen the cords. Hmm? Stretch out the coverings. We, we are going to stretch you until you feel like banange and Hallelujah. Hey, you come to our brother like I'm dying. Bansi Senor, they've taken me a place. It's it's so outside of my comfort zone. Yes, that's the only way to pull the champion out of you. Hallelujah. So I keep stretching some of you. Yeah. Until you get to the point eh, where regardless of what, he just give you the microphone and you're ready to go. Because I was also stretched like that. Used to happen to me. We used to have a thing called lunch hour those days. It was called BMW, Believers Manifesting Wisdom. Hallelujah. Huh? And I would be there and I've called the pastor and he says, I'm on my way, I'm about to arrive. Then when I'm there sitting comfortably, he says, Ah, I'm not coming. Preach. Meanwhile, everyone's waiting for him. And you get up there and you can see everyone's looking at you like, You know, you can sense it when the audience is wondering, (laughs) Until I began to learn eh, to have a word in season and out of season. Because I knew. One Saturday I showed up, we used to have a thing called Satsav. Be full of young people. I showed up. Pastor gets up. After all the worship is done and what, he gets up there. Says, you know, praise the Lord. I gets people, you know, all hyped up and says, you know, today we are really blessed. God has given us an amazing speaker who is going to give us the word of God today. Man, I am anticipating. I am expectant. Ha! To in a guest He's been in the corporate world. He's there. Please welcome Noah Samatim. I almost fainted. I went up there speaking in tongues. Noah to make it worse, it's not like here. Here it's breakthrough. I'm the pastor. <laughs> so I began by telling a story at work. In the process of telling the story, I got a revelation. Shared the revelation. Do you know, I met a guy 15 years later who is like, there is a revelation you shared one time. Up to today, I'm still running on it. I looked at him like, huh? <laughs> Allow God to stretch you. Hallelujah. You aren't called to do only one thing. You are called to do many things. Some people think, you know, all these guys, Joab. Joab was an army man. 
but he was also a businessman. He had fields that Absalom even set fire to. He was doing many things. You, you, you are capable of so much more than what you think. You can't sit there and think for me, all I have got is my voice. So I'll, I'll settle for singing. My friend, you can do more. Hallelujah. Amen. You can do more. You don't be there settling. You know, for me, this is what I know. No, you stretch yourself and you do much more. Come to a place where there is nothing here that you can't do. You know, I thank God I look back. There is not a single thing in church I have never done. I have cleaned. I've been an usher. I've been on the music team. I have preached. I have killed cameras. I have done lights. I have done everything in church. There is not a single thing people do here that I can't do. God stretched me. Whenever I would feel I'm getting into a comfort zone, he reassigns me from there to the next one. And then I have, you see, it's one thing to get you out of your comfort zone, then take you where you are not the best at. But he's stretching you. That's why I can come and help the camera guys. Let's look at that camera, let's change this setting. Like, hey, That's why up to now, I'm still the first consultant around here. I'm the consultant on the switcher, on the internet, on the word. Have you updated firmware? Can you do this and that? Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. Stretch yourself. You have so much capacity in you to allow to settle. And most of the time, it's the things that have caused you to settle. Old mindsets that have convinced you you can't handle that area. You leave it for those ones. Who told you? Maybe you once went for evangelism. You have no idea. Some of us were once chased with pangas. We had, we thought we were on fire. They took end kusabo. With pangas. Then we learned not to walk in presumption. Went door to door and we said to Tandi, Kireko Saboriri. Shabaka Prede. Man, I've even never had the sons of Skiva experience. I went for some lady who was possessed with demons. Eh? Ay, 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 ay. She kicked and punched me. I didn't quit. I went back and I said, Lord, these demons next time must know who I am. I went back and saw this. They didn't know me this time. Next time they must know me. Hallelujah. <laughs> You don't quit. You don't get paralyzed by No. You ask yourself why? Why didn't they know me? If I am full of the Holy Ghost, if I am born again, why didn't they know me? I am missing something. And you go back and you figure it out. Hallelujah. You know I'm happy it's raining. You can't go anywhere. Hallelujah. I can enjoy the sermon Burunji. God is good. Hallelujah. 
that's why I'm enjoying myself. I'm like, either way, you're not going anywhere. You're going to just stand around here talking anyway. You may as well hear the gospel. Child of God, break the limitations. Break the limitations. This year, we will be attacking all those mindsets. Hallelujah. In fact, I'm looking forward. You know one of the things I like? I come here and I give overviews. Eh? Then Apostle Raymond comes and puts meat. Eh? So I'm looking forward to hearing how he really comes for your mindsets. Because he's very good at coming for mindsets. Especially because he interacts with all of you a lot more. Hallelujah. We need it. So there's that mindset. Break them. Break them until we are broken of all limits and we believe God can do far more than we ever thought he can ever do. If I had settled, we would not be where we are today. We would not be enjoying breakthrough the way we are enjoying it today. Yeah. Some of you have no idea where some of uh, what circumstances we came from. You've only found us calmly settled in Lungujia when it all looks good. You have no clue. At one point in my life when we were kids, we lived in a garage, someone's garage. And there were holes under the, 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 the door. Hmm? And, uh, and the rats were as big as cats. The cats used to run away from the rats. That's how big those rats were. And when you'd put the blankets, you'd tie them very nicely because, you know, the rats would come and uh, chew on your feet if you've not done it nicely. You know, you're not tucked in properly. When we first came to Lungujia, uh, the toilet in the house was half a toilet. It was broken, it was half, so you'd balance on the edge. And then it never used to flush. Then you'd have, come and you have a bucket. You hold it up in the air and you do the flushing action yourself. That's not where we are today. And it's testament to the fact that my mother is not a quitter. She didn't set off for a certain standard. Hallelujah. And I also didn't settle there. I kept building on it. Hallelujah. Maybe no one in your family has ever stepped on a plane. You are the one who has to step on it. Gwejifule taxi. Hallelujah. Yeah, you be the one to break every barrier. I spoke to a girl who was telling me, you see, in our family, the girls never get married. I said, now you, be, you need to break it. Be the first one. They, they never get married. At, at best, they cohabit. I said, how dare you say such a confession? Said you've included yourself in that category. Hallelujah. Refuse. Refuse. Shaba karantere brosukata. Where mindsets are dangerous. That's why the, the contention in the spirit is against those mindsets. To break them down. To subject them to the knowledge of God. To subject them to the obedience of Christ. Such that only the mindset of Christ re- 
remains as i said you have the mind of christ what's the mind of christ say let this mind be also in you which mind the mind of christ let that mind be in you even when everyone was looking at him, I was saying, isn't this the son of who? What he kept telling them. My father in heaven. The mindset of the world kept reminding him, Timutabani wa Joseph. He kept telling them, ah, For me, I know who my real father is. The mindset of the world might be telling you, Hallelujah. But you is that you are born again. You are now born from above. My father in heaven is loaded. He's connected. And because Hallelujah. I have a friend. He was denied a US visa six times. He got it on the seventh time. But when he got it the seventh time, they gave him ten years. For those who don't know, normally they give the maximum they give you is two. He didn't quit. Why? He had the word. God had told him, I'm taking you to America. So he did not allow failure to make him quit on a word he had heard. But at the same time, he didn't keep doing the same thing over and over again. At first he was doing that. Finally he learned, you know what? I'm making some mistakes. I need to change. Another friend of mine applied for a visa last year and they, they jumped. Properly. So he told, he, he told me, he said, and I'm the one who divided him. told me, they jumped. I told him, uh-uh. The seat of Antunevagano Bauer. So we went through it. I said, okay, what did they ask you? So said, uh, what did they ask you? Uh-huh. Why did you answer like this? No, you need to understand. This is what they are looking for. When you answered like this, you missed what they were looking for. So they assumed you were trying to imply this. That... I had to instruct one person. I said, hey, this Chiganda culture of ours, which says, you know, when you respect someone, you look down. I said, in America, when you look down, they think you're lying. You must look them in the eyes. Because, you know, they think the eyes are the windows to the soul. So they want to see your eyes. When you don't look, when you, the moment you answer while looking down, they think you are lying. Differences in culture. Now you can imagine how your culture can cause you to miss your visa. Mindsets. What? Mindsets. They must break confidence. You know who you are. I thank God that there were so many things I didn't know. Because I didn't know them, I acted with a boldness that was out of this world. So another thing, because mindsets are built, and they are built by what you hear. So if you allow yourself to hear the wrong things, you will build the wrong mindsets. So what are you letting into your mind? 
Sapporo Soko Predator. I remember when Flavia had just gone to the US. They told her, look, fenne mini mje tukola tujimanyi. Huh? Who do you think you are? Because, you know, so, you know, they first wanted, they first started her off in those jobs, you know, take care of the old people and wipe their butts. And all that stuff. She did those jobs. Then, she worked for some Nigerian woman in a shop. The Nigerian woman would abuse her every day. Stupid African. But, hey! Meanwhile, she's an African also. One time she was so tired. She told me about it and I told her, hmm, you're going to get an office job. She told me, Gwe, you've never been here, that's why you're talking like that. There's no way I can get one without papers. There's a system here, the system works like this. I told her, I don't care what the system says. Me now, I'm declaring a fast, it is starting tomorrow. She said, you don't know the system. I said, uh-uh. And I fasted and prayed. I don't remember whether it was 40 or 21 on fluids. At the end of the fast, she got that job. And the people, and she told them, they said, ah, don't worry, we'll work on the paperwork, we'll figure it out. Hallelujah. Because you don't allow limitation. After that, ay, 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 ay. now she was set free. By that time, eh, most, no one our age at that time could even conceive, at least in Houston, could conceive of owning a property. How? Everyone was in an apartment, one bedroom, squeezed in there. We said, ah, uh-uh. We are going to own. We believed God. Shama karade suko predela. We believed God. Even when it looked like we didn't qualify in the system. No one should have given us a mortgage that time. Why? Because she was on a visa. Who gives you a mortgage when the visa might get expired and you go away? Do you know, we got all the approvals. All of them, and got crazy rates. Beautiful rates. Hallelujah. You've got to break the limitations. Hallelujah. I hope you're challenged. And I pray that today you begin to identify every limitation that has been holding you back from where you ought to be. Who told you Titewasoma? Hmm? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey. Go can you imagine? Eh? Peter Sematimba Yadayona Asoma. Now some of you don't understand. Peter is in his 60s. I know he looks young, but he's in his 60s. Because I know that he's older than Pastor Robert Kayanji. Yes. 
And he went back to school and did what? Elefu. When they took him to court and did all sorts of things and wanted to strip his parliamentary seat from him, the man went back to school. Shaba karate. Let me tell you, there are people, whatever you might think of their other things, you've got to admire for some things. How many remember all these stories of the first lady? You know, people made fun of her. They said her school is real tricking her. She's fading. You know, you know, all these stories that used to be in newspapers. But for her, she knew what she wanted. She went back to school and studied. Eventually got her degree. Because for her, she knew one thing. She wanted to go to parliament and then she wanted to be a minister. And these were the blockages that were there that were keeping her husband from being able to, to appoint her. Do you know going to class? Hmm? I know someone, their parents were the private tutors to the first lady. When things were hard, she got private tutors. But you know what? She got her degree. And immediately after she got it, she was appointed a minister. You what is stopping you? And you see, here is the thing. She could have been comfortable and said, I am the first lady anyway. Yeah? I already have it all. I, I mean, I have a convoy, I have security, I have all this stuff. What more do I need? But instead she's saying, ah, 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 there is more. I can do more. I can achieve more. And she went back to school. Amen. She went back to school. What about you? You, you're not even a first anything. Tolina consolation yakugambabu ame fast this. Now it dayoso memorinjeriyes. Hallelujah. Shabra karamento zopreka. Her kids are older than you. Hmm? And you are busy saying kuzenyo. Shabo kopre deste karaba. May God have mercy on you. What's holding you back? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.